Welcome to episode 21 of our Lincoln. Today's episode is sponsored by CityX. Visit Lincoln, MR7 Marketing and the White Hart Hotel. I'm joined today by Nikki Cook, the Chief Exec of Lives. Nikki, welcome. Thanks for coming on to the show. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. Could you just give us a brief introduction uh, as to what Lives is? I think people are kind of aware of the charity, but uh, what your role is within the community. So I think you've hit on the first thing. We are a charity, and we often say the L in Lives is for Lincolnshire. Um, We are a Lincolnshire-based organisation that responds to 999 medical emergencies across the county. So if you are having a medical emergency and you phone for an ambulance there's a fairly good chance that a Lives volunteer responder will be one of the people that comes through your door to offer you that immediate uh, uh, aid that you need uh, with whatever it is that has that uh, caused you to make that call. Fantastic. And is that, I guess that's particularly relevant across Lincolnshire because of the rural nature of the county. Is that something that's kind of was the reason for being for Lives, really, to be able to respond sooner the ambulance service locally? Yeah, I think that's our whole reason for, for existing, really. Um, you know, we are a large rural county. You know, we've got about a million people, but spread over a huge area. I was doing some statistics the other day. There's only something like 800 miles of, uh, of, uh, of, of A road in this country, yeah. uh, in this county. Yeah. We, we don't, we, we've got a couple of hospitals, but we don't have a, a major trauma centre. Um, so a lot of our most poorly patients are having to go out of county. And yet we know that many of the, the things that, that, that people encounter are time critical. Yeah. So if we can get somebody that's got the skills and the equipment and the confidence, really importantly, to those patients, um, we can make a real difference to their outcomes, often um, as far as saving their lives. Yeah, that's, and that's an absolutely vital service. And I think um, my perception is people are kind of aware of the charity, but maybe not um, sort of aware of the scope and the size of it. And I, I remember I was looking up sort of prior to our to our meeting and, and seeing how many volunteers you've got on board how many volunteers are there in in the charity now hundreds yeah so at any given time we've probably got four or five hundred people across the county that are ready to respond yeah. to emergencies we've got several hundred more that are involved in, in in other capacities and i think it's fair to say that there is no organization in the country um, that I has either the, the scope of what we do, so the real breadth of things that we offer to the people of Lincolnshire, or indeed the scale, you know, that does it to the extent that yeah. we do. Um, so we're really quite unique um, and something that Lincolnshire should really be quite proud of. Absolutely. In terms of the kind of service that you guys offer then, what would a, would a typical call-out look like for, for lives when you when a phone call comes through and, and your guys are out on the road? What would that what typical scenario would be? So I think the, the answer to that is there isn't anything typical. I think people often think of us as the cardiac arrest people. You know, if you're having a cardiac arrest, um, a live responder will get to you with a defibrillator, do CPR, and do those things that give you the best possible chance of survival. And that's really important, and we do that. Yeah. But actually only about 1 in 80 of our calls is a cardiac arrest. Okay. We're just as likely to go to somebody who's having breathing difficulties, perhaps a diabetic emergency, they might have been involved in a road traffic collision, they might have had a fall, they might have had an industrial accident. So we go to the whole breadth uh, of of calls and we've got people with all different skill levels to be able to respond to that, from lay people 
that perhaps have joined us and have had no medical experience before they've done that, through to doctors that are either GPs, A&E doctors or anaesthetists that bring really advanced skills far far beyond what you would see um, on the back of an ambulance to an yeah. emergency. That's interesting. I was going to ask you about sort of what a typical volunteer might look like actually for lives, but it sounds like a huge variety of people then get involved. Um, absolutely, and there isn't any kind of prerequisite. We like to think that um, if you want to make the commitment to the organisation, to your training and development and your skills and to your community, um, then we will then we will invest in getting you to, to the level of skill you need. Um, I spent some time um, um, just earlier today um, doing some work around one of our respondents who's a butcher. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but but at the same time, we have people that are that are you know doctors, nurses, paramedics, so uh, a whole range of people. Fantastic. In terms of the um, the sort of things that you do to raise awareness of the charity, obviously a lot of events and things take place. What are the typical ways that you go about kind of addressing the fundraising challenges? And maybe first of all, give us an insight into what the challenges are for a charity like yourselves in terms of the amount of fundraising you need to do in order to be able to operate such a great service. So funding for any charity is always the most difficult piece. And um, for us, for, for our community first responding type activity, we need to raise about a million pounds a year. Yeah. So that's, that's, a, lot of, that's a lot <laughs> yeah. of money. Um, and we do that in all kinds of ways. We have some very generous supporters that, that make small regular donations to us often. Uh, and then we have um, a lot of community groups that choose to support their local responders, perhaps by doing... You know, fundraising events, pub quizzes, cake sales and the like, and yeah. all of those things are, are really important. They all make a difference. Absolutely. Um, so we've got an exciting milestone coming up for the charity, <laughs> 50 years that it's been in existence. Um, and I'm, I'm aware of some quite uh, exciting plans that you've got personally to take part in some fundraising activities. Do you want to give us a little bit of an insight into, into what some of those are? Well, we are 50 this year, which, yeah. which I'm very proud to say means that the charity is slightly older than me, but not by <laughs> much. Not by much. Um, and that's a really big milestone, and yeah. we've evolved a lot. You know, we started as an organisation that was um, some doctors responding to road traffic collisions, because yeah. in those days, you know, ambulance drivers were literally ambulance drivers. Um, now, um, we, have, we still have those doctors, but we, we have the whole community first respond. And we do a lot of education as well, and mm-hmm. I don't think people um, often realise that that's, that's part of the breadth okay. of what we bring to the community. Um, so, being such a big milestone, we've got lots of things planned. Yeah. At a personal level, I was thinking, what are some 50 related challenges that I could perhaps yeah. do? around things that I enjoy doing when I'm not working. So um, on the 28th of March at the Hubbard's Bridge Community Centre, I and some of my dancing colleagues um, will be attempting to dance 50,000 steps um, for lives, uh, which we think is going to take about eight hours. Incredible. Uh, should I survive that? Uh, in the summer, I have an intention to play 50 holes of golf in a day. Yeah. Um, and to answer some of the questions I've had about that, no, it won't be pitch and putt. Uh, <laughs> and then um, one of the other things I like to do is um, power lift. Okay. And so I have this plan uh, in the, in the, late in the autumn when I've recovered from the golf to uh, attempt to lift 50,000 kilograms in a day. Wow. So um, that's my commitment this year. But we've got people doing all sorts of things. One of my paramedics, uh, who is not a runner, is running five 10K uh, runs this year. And, but for the last one, has said that he's going to do it in his full kit, carrying wow. his kit bag 
and his advanced life support monitor. So um, we said we may have to hook the monitor (laughs) up before he does the run. But no, I think that just shows how um, important the charity is to people and the commitment that that. Oh, fifty tractors over fifty years. One of our one of our volunteers is doing that a little later in the summer. So tractor run. 50 wow. tractors, all over 50 years of age. Incredible. I've heard of a 50 cake cake sale that's happening in Louth, I believe, a bit yeah. later on in the year. So lots of 50 things. Amazing. And do you find, I guess, that people that have been, um, that have benefited from the great work that you do, do you find they often tend to kind of become great supporters of the charity and they want to kind of give back and get involved or families of people that have been involved in those sort of things? Do they tend to sort of become a, a big advocate of the charity? So um, my answer to that is yes, but. Um, and one of the biggest problems we have is often people don't realise they've been seen by a lives responder. Okay. So you know, if you think that you are having a medical emergency or somebody in your family is, it's a really heightened, stressful time. You've picked up the phone, you phone 999, and somebody walks through your front door or walks, and walks into your workplace and they offer care to you and then perhaps perhaps you end up going, going off in the ambulance. Um, and you might not take the time to think, well, actually, who... Who was that person? Yeah. And I can tell you that person was your local lives responder. Yeah. Um, but often people don't don't realise that. And that's one of our biggest challenges. I suspect that every year of the thousands of people we see across the county, maybe half of them don't realise that they really? actually even be seen by us. Yeah. So I think yes, those people do turn into fabulous supporters if they know that we were that we were there. Yeah, definitely. I've seen, uh, again, while sort of doing a bit of research as well, some of the other um, activities people get involved in, people can take part in charity events and choose you as their chosen charity, things like Lincoln 10K, obviously. But you also have um, a, is it a snowshoe charity trek coming up? Is it in Finland? I know. We've never done this before, so this is something <laughs> new for us. Um, but next year, uh, and there will be a group of people that will be trekking across the Arctic Circle wow. wearing snowshoes. Yeah, to raise money for lives, which I just think... um, Somebody's pointed out to me that I'll be 50 next year and maybe it would be a good milestone. Yeah, I'm not sure about (laughs) that. Not quite. Do you know what? I'm I'm fine with the dancing and the lifting and the go, but I I don't like the cold. Right, yeah, it's probably not the the best one for you. We'll see, we'll see. They have a habit of twisting my arm, we'll see. Yeah, fantastic. And so coming on to a little bit more about yourself then, Nikki, you mentioned that you've been chief exec for now four years uh, at Lives. What changes have you you seen in the organisation in those times during your time there? I think, um, so it is, it's pretty much exactly four years that I, I joined, and uh, it was the first time the charity at that point was 46 years old and hadn't had a chief exec before. Oh, really? So it was a real milestone, and I think real testament to, I think, the bravery, really, of the trustees of the organisation, um, that, that they brought somebody into that post. And uh, the organisation has always had a real relevance, I believe, to Lincolnshire, but that story hasn't necessarily been told. Sure. So one of the things that we've been really focused on is how do we tell the story of these amazing... These people volunteer. Yeah. And they volunteer to put themselves into some really difficult, challenging situations that you know you and I hopefully will never encounter, yeah. and yet they do it willingly, and they do it because they care about their neighbours and they yeah. want to make a difference. So... Um, part of the focus has been on telling that story, but the other part has been on looking at what are the skills that we have mm-hmm. um, within our people and what can we do to make to use those to make a difference to, yeah. our, to our neighbours. Um, I, said, I said right at the beginning that, you know, the L in Lives is for Lincolnshire, and mm-hmm. we're a Lincolnshire organisation, and, and I want us to be able to make the biggest difference that we can in this county. 
And so over the last couple of years, we've really expanded our education offering mm-hmm. because, you know, it, it takes a team to save a life. And we bring specialist skills and equipment, but you know, if nobody notices that that person is in cardiac arrest and actually picks up the phone and makes the call, yeah. well, we can have all the skills and kit in the world. Yeah. Um, so we do a lot of, uh, of going into schools, going into businesses, going into community groups and passing on those life-saving skills. Yeah. Um, and we've, we've seen that really, really grow. And I was really pleased to see last week um, our school's partnership program, we had our first school achieve their bronze status. Oh, so that which means they're on the pathway to becoming a, a life-saving school yeah. in Lincolnshire. And, and we hope there'll be many, many more of those over the over future. But we've also looked at what other responses can we develop. And, and we recognised, along with some partners in the, in the council and in the health service, that patients who fall often... Um, it takes a longer time for an ambulance to get to them for all the right reasons. Mm-hmm. But, but getting to them quickly can make a difference to their outcomes. Sure. So for the last year, we've been piloting, working with uh, the ambulance service, the community health trust and the county council, piloting a, a live response to patients who've fallen yeah. to get to them more quickly. Is that because they're kind of lower down on priority for the ambulance service? Well, you can imagine yeah. the ambulance service, you know, their number one priority is immediately life-threatening calls yeah. and, and then they have various response targets um, from that. Um, so if we can use our skills to get to those patients more quickly, then that, that's a great outcome. And then we're just in the process of launching something that's really exciting. It's our community emergency medicine service. Okay. Now, this is a new, a new thing. Um, they're doing a little bit of this in London, and they're doing a little bit of it in Wales. Mm-hmm. But by the time we get this properly up and running in the summer, this will be the biggest community emergency medicine service in the country. Fantastic. And it's, uh, and it's uh, uh, an adva- somebody with advanced skills, so a doctor or a practitioner, in a car with blue lights, Responding to patients who've phoned 999, they're very unwell, but they may not need to go to hospital. Going to hospital may not be the best place for them. But often they get taken to hospital because they need diagnostic tests or or the the ambulance crew that's gone to them isn't able to access the pathway that they need. But we know that by carrying the best part of £100,000 worth of diagnostic equipment, Mm and, and uh, the ability to write prescriptions and to get them started on things like intravenous antibiotics or fluids or other things that we need, we can make a really big difference for those yeah. patients. And we're really pleased to be working with the NHS and working with the ambulance service to roll that out because we know that there are thousands of patients in Lincolnshire that that will make a really big difference 100%. for yeah. over the next few years. So um, we just... That we're getting the first people into that service over the next few weeks, and it's going to make a massive difference. And that's another thing, again, with the rurality of Lincolnshire, I suppose, having that kind of service available be invaluable to people in the in the more sort of remote parts of the county, won't it? Absolutely, and and all of those people that that you know we hear all the time about about um, you know how overcrowded the A and E departments are and the waiting times for ambulances, and and there's really good reasons for all of those things. But if we can take the skills that we have in lives mm-hmm. that don't exist. In, a, in an A&E department and don't exist on laminates but use them to make a difference for those patients yeah. then that's what we're all about Fantastic In terms of your journey to becoming the Chief Executive of the charity then what uh, sort of led you uh, this way in this direction was it a sort of a, a passion for the sector was it a, a, 
from university into this sort of path, or, or how did you end up uh, on this sort of on this trajectory towards taking over the charity? I'm I, I'm not sure that trajectory is the right word because I think my career has been a bit of a winding path, and you might be able to tell from my accent that I don't originate from these parts. Yes. So uh, I'm from New Zealand originally. I've been in the UK um, over twenty years mm-hmm. now, and originally I I worked in IT, yeah. outsourcing, worked in London. Um, all that kind of stuff, and, and through a variety of career moves, found myself working around the NHS, yeah. and particularly working looking at performance data for the NHS, mm-hmm. and looking at how could we improve mortality rates uh, and the like. And that was how I got interested in healthcare. And after I'd done that for a few years, I sort of thought, oh, money where your mouth is time, like you, you know, you've been telling the NHS how to do it better, why don't you yep. go and, you know, see if you can do it yourself. And, and I was really lucky, a position came up at Lincolnshire Community Health Services, mm-hmm. the Community NHS Trust. Uh, and I went there and I spent um, five very happy years working there, ended up as the de- Deputy Director of Operations there, yeah. um, and really enjoyed working in, in the NHS. Um, Although I would also say that it's possibly the toughest job I've ever had. You know, it's a really challenged environment. Um, but I've got a real passion for patients and a passion for community. Yeah. And for making a, a difference locally. And the opportunity to be part of Lives came along. A family member of mine benefited from um, the services of a Lives responder wow. several yeah. years before. And I thought, wow, that's that's kind of special. Yeah. Um, several people told me it was, I was mad that I'd be bored. I can honestly say I've never had a boring day in the four years I've been there. Yeah. Um, it doesn't sound like the sort of uh, role where, you know, where it would be boring. It sounds like there's always different challenges. And, and I think in any job, there is always 20% of it that, you know, makes you want to gouge your own eyes out. <laughs> you know, when you're dealing with the insurance, the insurance proposal yeah, for the sure. year or the information governance toolkit return or something you think but um all it takes is you know an email from the family of a patient to say hey you made a difference yeah um and i think about one that we got actually a couple of weeks ago which was a card that arrived on a tuesday morning from a patient from the 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 wife of a patient that we had seen on the saturday morning that we'd got the patient to hospital alive but unfortunately he'd subsequently passed away Mm. And it really struck me that in her immediate grief, that woman took the time to write a card yeah. to the responders that had gone out on that Saturday morning to her husband. Yeah. Um, and that's when you realise that what you do makes Make a difference. Make a huge difference, yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, I also wanted to just touch on a little bit about um, how people, if they felt like they wanted to get involved, whether that be through fundraising or actually to become a volunteer for the charity, how, what's the best way to go about that? And, and you mentioned about the, the sort of breadth of different roles and that people have in their sort of daily lives and then they come and, and work with you guys. So how would people go about it and what sort of roles could they take up to support you? So the first thing is to have a look at our website, lives.org.uk, um, because there'll be some information on there about what it's like to be a responder. And what I would say is our responders are pretty special people, mm. and it's not for everyone. No. Um, but if you make the commitment to the charity, we will make the commitment to you to, um, uh, to uh, train you and equip you and support you um, on your journey as a, as a responder. Um, if that's not for you, but you still really want to get involved in our work, there are lots of other ways that, that you can support mm-hmm. us. So we do have people that fundraise for us. We, we adore those people because without them, 
we couldn't do what we do. Yeah. We couldn't, you know, it's expensive to keep our responders on the road. Everybody thinks it's equipment that's most expensive. It's actually training. Yeah. Um, that's our, that's our number one, our number one, I guess, financial commitment. So we really adore our fundraisers because they make it possible for our responders yeah. to respond. And then we have people that will come and help us with administrative tasks uh, and the like. So if you have a passion for our work, and you want to help, whether you think responding is for you or not, you know, please get in touch because we will find a place for yeah. you. Fantastic. So let's talk a little bit, you mentioned there about obviously not being originally from Lincoln. We always like to talk on the show about sort of the things people love about the city and the county. So what was it, A, that sort of made you choose to live in Lincoln and Lincolnshire? And then what are the things that you, that you really love about being here? So I always say that love brought me to Lincolnshire. Yeah. Uh, when I was living uh, in, the, in, in uh, Berkshire, uh, I met somebody, he lived in Lincolnshire. For a while we maintained two houses, but you know, um, this place had a real draw. I, I already had interest in the countryside, so I yeah. had horses at the time, and I really jumped at the chance um, to move to the county. Um, I've lived in Lincoln, I now live in Woodall Spa. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, first thing, I love the people. Yeah. It's a really friendly, welcoming um, place. I love the village that I live in because I love the sense of community. Yeah. I love uh, all the uh, events and things that are going on. I get involved in a lot of them myself. I'm involved, for example, in the Woodall Spa 1940s Festival, which yeah. will be in July this year again. And I'm currently furiously booking the entertainments <laughs> program for that. Um, but it has a huge amount going on. Yeah. And, and, I, and I defy somebody to come and live in my village and be bored. Mm. You know? I love the fact that we've got more than 60 independent shops and businesses, you know, in Woodall Spa. We're really proud That's of that, great. you know, we, and, and we actively go out of our way to support the local butchers, the local bakers, the local restaurants, you know, yeah. the, the, the tea house, the kinema, the petwood, you know, all the things that make, that make my village unique. I have friends from London come to stay and they go, wow, how do we get a bit of this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a brilliant county and I, I am... I've, I've chosen to make it my home yeah. and it will stay my home for the rest of my days. Wow, fantastic. Where did you find the time to take on such a sort of uh, big role in the 1940s weekend whilst also sort of managing the charity and... And, and, and running and, and golfing running, and yeah, powerlifting yeah, and yeah, dancing and yeah. all those things. Um, ask a busy person, isn't it? You know, yeah. um, I, I love the 40s festival. I think it's a brilliant community event. Um, but it's always difficult to get volunteers for such things. And yeah. I would hate... What I love about the festival is that you don't have to be a 1940s reenactor. And, you know, there is no entry fee. You can bring the family in a car, pay your £10 for parking and have a cracking day out. Yeah. And where else can you do that, even in Lincolnshire? Um, and I would hate to see something that has such community spirit and brings so much pleasure to so many people fail for the lack yeah. of people wanting to get involved in supporting yeah. it. So I, um, I, I think I was in a coffee shop in Woodall and I, a few years ago and I, I got um, yeah, convinced yeah. By, <laughs> by, the, by our chair of the committee and um, several years later yeah. I'm still doing it. Okay. Let's touch on powerlifting a little bit as well because you mentioned that you're going to be doing that as part of a challenge mm. uh, for lives. Um, a slightly unusual hobby perhaps how did you get into that and and is it something you've been in for a long time or so i belong to a women's powerlifting club that's mm-hmm. based in lincoln called uh dark side mm-hmm. uh and we've got a gym uh just off our circle road and it's kind of a it's a it's a, a strength and conditioning gym where most of us powerlift there's a there's people that run there's people that, that 
that do other crazy stuff. Um, and I love it because it is a really supportive space. It's a gym with no mirrors, no yes. scales, and bowls of sweets on the gym floor, right? But it's all about, it's not about what you look like, no. it's about how you feel and what you can do. Yeah. And, and about, and, and that doesn't mean that, you know, you have to lift really heavy to be amazing. It's about what you can do yeah. for yourself. Um, so I got tricked into it because it's not the kind of thing I'd ever have gone to. <laughs> A friend of mine wanted to go to this new exercise club and she didn't want to go on her own. So I said, well, okay, I'll come with you. And three weeks later, she didn't like it and I was hooked and I've been doing it for about five years now. Yeah, wow. And I train a couple of times a week and uh, just getting back into it after a bit of a layoff for some, for some surgery. But back onto back into the gym this Saturday for the first time yeah. uh, in, in three months and can't wait. In preparation for lifting those 50,000 <laughs> kilograms. Do you know what? It's completely doable if you break it down. The key is to not be a hero, not lift really heavy, yeah. just lots and lots of low reps and just, um, I reckon six or seven hours we'll, 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 we'll yeah. have that out. Fantastic. Okay, so let's bring it back around again, just a little bit to lives before we sort of wrap up then in terms of what the future looks like for the organisation then. You've obviously got some great plans for recognising the last 50 years, but how does the next sort of three to five years look for the charity and what are your hopes to, to do with the charity going forward? So for me, the wonderful thing about working in a charity as opposed to business is that um, it's about impact, it's about the difference that you make. And the money's important because we need to be sustainable. Yeah. And we need to invest in making that impact. But it's all about how many people can we make a difference for and what is the difference that we make. So uh, we have plans to uh, establish our education uh, programs more widely. Yeah. So uh, right across the community, I would like every young person in Lincolnshire to have the opportunity yeah. to learn life-saving skills. Is that more interaction with schools and colleges? And... All of that, yeah. all of that stuff. But also community groups. There's mm -hmm. a lot of research emerging that says if you're not using your skills, they fade. And so you might have learned CPR at, at the, the tennis club or, or in a shopping centre or something five years ago but actually how do you retain that so we're really interested in doing more of that kind of community um, um, skills transfer type stuff mm -hmm. also um, I want to have more responders on the road yeah uh, and at all skill levels so I want everybody in Lincolnshire that has a medical emergency to have access to a life's responder yeah and that means we probably need three or four times as many as we've got now yeah and that means that we will need to recruit and train and develop and support yeah. and that means that we'll need more funding to mm -hmm. be able to do that uh, and then I'm really interested in seeing where our community emergency medicine service goes yeah. as I said earlier that's really groundbreaking um, and and it will be the biggest and it will be the most established in the country and I think that gives us some real opportunities to do some really meaningful things in Lincolnshire that make yeah. a difference to patients. So those are the kinds of things that I'm thinking about, you know, community impact, mm -hmm. um, number of responders, how do we get to as many patients as possible? And then what can we do with those high-end community emergency medicine or critical care type skills? Yeah. Um, that, that will make a difference to patients. Fantastic. I think it sounds really great. I mean, I think a lot of people in the county are, are aware of the fantastic work you do and, and hopefully it will continue to grow and you'll be able to uh, offer more support across the whole county and we'll look forward to seeing how that develops. So I want to thank you very much for coming on and giving up your time, Nikki, to come and, and chat to us and talk to us a bit more about the charity. I uh, really appreciate you coming on.
No, thank you for, for helping to tell our story. An absolute pleasure. Uh, before we go, just want to uh, give a shout out to uh, the Men's Mental Health Group that I coordinate with the guys down at the Kido Gaming Bar. That's on the 24th of February, which is Monday. Uh, 6 to 8pm, we've got live music, bands and guest speakers. Uh, so we'd love to see guys and girls down at that event and get people feeling more comfortable about talking about men's mental health. And a thanks to the sponsors again, City X, Visit Lincoln, MR7 Marketing and the White Hart Hotel. And just a final thanks again, Nikki, to you for coming on. Really appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thank you.